From years of anxiety to warrior and mentor, Bradley Robinson created the Anxiety Project to help you end your anxiety naturally. Let's mold the new you and let's end anxiety together. Hello and welcome to episode 100 of the Anxiety Project podcast. 100 triple digits. I am Brad Robinson. I am so excited to be here like every other week, but this week is a special episode. It's 100 episodes. I'm so grateful that you're here to learn and expand your knowledge and to grow with me. And, you know, looking back at episode one, I never imagined myself being where I am today or ever being a coach in general because this whole anxiety found me and I caused the chaos. I reached a low point in my life, rock bottom, and it was hell. And my life was horrible. And recovering from anxiety, I learned so much. I became so proud of myself. I developed so much self-respect, so much meaning came into my life. And I knew that I wanted to help other people through this challenge. I fell in love with the growth process. I fell in love with it. It found me. And so now that I get to mentor other people week after week, talk about it, I it's just... I don't want it any other way. This is what I love to do. And I'm so happy to be here with you and and to share episode 100. And I'm not slowing down. This is what I love to do. And I will be here week after week to talk about this stuff. And this whole journey through the 100 episodes has been so rewarding because I get to see the change it has on other people. People come to me and people message me all the time saying how much their life improved because of the content, because of the podcast. And I'm so grateful that it resonates with you and that we get to share this information and this growth process together. Now, I thought no better way to celebrate and to be here for 100 episodes than to answer your questions. So thank you for sending me your questions via Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and through my website. So let's start off with question number one, which comes from Carrie. And Carrie says, because of the coronavirus, I can't do all the exposure practices. How do you deal with that? And that's a great question because if you're afraid of, well, needles or hospitals like I used to be, um, going to a hospital is a great challenge and this helps with the desensitization process. You show up there and you stay in the environment that makes you anxious and you don't leave. 
very powerful, but since the virus is going on, it's difficult to go to the shopping mall, go to these places like the hospital when the virus is growing, right? So you don't want to jeopardize the people that you live with because you want to go do some exposure practices. So there are ways to do this in your own home. Now, the desensitization process is about retraining the amygdala. The amygdala is the part of the brain that initiates this fight, flight, or freeze. Now, it has been trained to fear certain things. Like for many people with anxiety, it's their sensations, it's the public places that they avoid. I had to prove to my amygdala that the sensations and the situations I avoided that caused me severe anxiety were in fact safe, that I won't die in these situations. Placing yourself in uncomfortable situations and staying there, new neuronal pathways develop in your brain. You become braver. You become stronger. And the amygdala, when you're in that situations, in those situations, begin to attach safety to the situations rather than it's a threat to your life, that you won't die, that you can survive. You have to prove your old self wrong, and that's essentially what it means, proving to the amygdala that this isn't life-threatening. But you have to expose yourself over and over and over again. For instance, I always talk about going to the symphony with Maggie, and when I was recovering from anxiety, I would show up there and I would have a panic attack. It was horrible. And then I would I would stay there. But the next time I went to the symphony, my anxiety was still high, but it it was less. And then I had to do this five more times for the amygdala to get the message. Oh, oh you know, Brad's always going to be here. It's safe here because he didn't die. So there's no threat here. So now when I go to the symphony, there's no anxiety. It's zero. It's zero because I kept going back. That's the desensitization process. Once you become braver in one environment that makes you anxious, that bravery bleeds out into all other environments that make you anxious. That's really cool. Because when I would go to the symphony and then once I desensitized myself at the symphony, what happened was I became braver on the subway. I became braver going to the opera house. I became braver going to the small concert venues or going out to dinner or going to the movies. I became braver in all of those other situations. So 
doing exposure, like if you're wondering where to start with exposure therapy, just choose one place that makes you anxious and then keep going there and exposing yourself. But for this instance, we're talking about something we're doing at home because of COVID-19. So let's, before I get into that, let, I'm going to talk about more of the amygdala first. So the amygdala operates at an unconscious level. So let's understand the unconscious mind. The unconscious, mi- the unconscious mind makes up 90 to 95% of who we are. So our memories are stored in the unconscious. Our habits and values and beliefs are stored there. And our fear response runs at an unconscious level. So the unconscious understands imagery and emotions the most. So we got to work with imagery and emotions to really speak to the unconscious mind. And so we can speak to this unconscious mind at home. We don't have to go to the hospital, but it's really good that we go. Don't get me wrong. It's really, really, really good. It's it's really powerful that you show up there, but we can speak to it in our homes as well. So it understands imagery and emotions. So if you are unable to go to the hospital, there are three ways you can do this at home. The first way is through visualization. Really powerful. Now, you can do this in a comfortable environment, you know, somewhere in your home, in your car, and just close your eyes and imagine yourself in that environment. Now, once you picture yourself in that environment, imagine yourself going through the motions. How do you want the situation to play out? So go through that. How is the situation playing out? How do you feel? It feels stressful. It's You feel the anxiety, but just go through it in your mind's eye. The second way is watching videos. Watching videos of people in a hospital, in a doctor's office, watching somebody get their blood drawn. Like I used to do because I was afraid of needles. So watching a video of somebody getting their blood drawn, that is powerful. Because here's the thing. The unconscious mind doesn't know the difference between what's real and what's imagined. So when you're sitting and visualizing and you're feeling the emotions and you're imagining the situation, your unconscious does not know the difference. So that's why it's powerful to do this. Imagine yourself in the situation if if you're fearing public crowded places, imagine yourself in a crowded mall with tons of people around. You're in a crowd. 
and feel the emotions. View yourself. How would you act in that situation? Go through it in detail. There's a saying out there that what you most need to find is in a place that you least want to look. And we don't want to revisit places that cause us fear, but the answers lie there. Like I said before, the amygdala needs to attach safety to these situations. These are situations that are highly emotional to you. So it's important that we go back there so that we can attach that safety to those experiences. So watching videos is a great way too, because when you watch the video, you're going to cringe. You're going to be uncomfortable, but pay attention. Don't look away because what you act out is what you attach value to. So if you're looking away from the video and you don't want to view it, your unconscious is going to be like, oh, this is, Brad doesn't like this. Brad, you know, this is not good for Brad. Brad fears this. But if I pay attention and I watch, even though I feel uncomfortable and I get bored of the video, then the amygdala is like, well, there's nothing to fear here. Because once you get bored of that video, that's when the amygdala is like, you know, I'm good. There's nothing to fear. And the third way is to write about it, write in detail. Writing is a great way to think. And thinking is really important because a lot of us don't want to think. And so writing down in detail the situation that makes you anxious and what you would do when you are in a anxious, provoking situation is really important. So those are three ways to do exposure therapy at home. And there's no crowded places. If you have a fear of being in crowds like I did, well, when you go to the mall now, there's only like three people walking around. Where are you going to find a crowd? So Doing this at home, watching crowded places, maybe on YouTube, going through it in your imagination is powerful for desensitization. All right, question number two comes from Rajamani, and his question from came from YouTube. What's the role of meditation to anxiety recovery? Great question. Thank you for sending in that question. My anxiety response was active 24-7. I was so sensitive towards the world, everything. If there would be a if there was a TV show on and it was some doctors doing something, I would perk up and and pay attention and be highly emotional towards it. Or if, if somebody mentioned cancer or a disease, I believed I had it, so I would be highly sensitive towards it. I was sensitive towards so much. I, at one point, I couldn't even walk a block from my house. It was that bad. I needed to give back to myself because 
my foot was on the gas pedal of the car, but the car is in park. So I was burning up resources every day and I was feeling emotionally exhausted every day. Think about it. The car is in your driveway and you're sitting in it, but you're revving that engine all day, all night. That's what's going on internally. You're just burning up your own resources. Meditation activates your parasympathetic nervous system instead, which is really interesting. The parasympathetic nervous system is your rest and digestive system. The mind of an anxiety sufferer is chaos. There's no control over your thoughts because the amygdala is active. It takes over all other brain processes. That's why you feel automated and you don't feel like you're in control. I remember this when I was working part-time. I would walk around the store and... It felt like the the world was shifting under my feet, that I couldn't balance myself. I couldn't control the words that came out of my mouth. I was trying to get in control of my body, but my amygdala was active. It took over. I couldn't get control. And so meditation, it helps calm the monkey mind, the chaotic mind, to lessen your emotional reactions towards your thoughts. Because you would think something and then you would react highly emotional. Why did I think that? That's a horrible thought. Oh my God, it's probably going to come true because I, th- I thought about that thought. And it's important to, it's important to meditate so that you can look at the thoughts from a different perspective to watch them rather than react to them. And the same applies to bodily sensations, to detach labels from the sensations. To, And this is body scan meditation, to pay attention, to scan your body, to feel the sensations. To a health anxiety sufferer, those sensations always cause such a highly emotional response. So when you feel it and accept the sensations through meditation, you start to become comfortable in your own skin. And that is really important. Meditation is a disciplinary act. Now, my old self had no discipline. I had no structure. And my life was in chaos. And so when I started to meditate, it was I was really bad at it. But it helped me discipline myself. When you place yourself in uncomfortable situations, you're going to discover new parts of you, and you're going to discover the benefits of something that is hard to do, but the benefits are highly noticeable. For example, 
you don't want to go to the gym, but you go to the gym, it's hard. You know, you, your mind is saying, you know, just relax, watch TV. Don't go to the gym. Don't go. But you go, you run and you work out and then you come back home. And you feel so much better. It's that, right? It's that's a disciplinary act. And meditation for me helped me with the benefits of meditation, like I explained before, but it helped me get into something of a routine. I needed discipline. And the more I meditated, the better I got at it. And all the benefits followed. Thank you for your question. Really, really great. Now, the next one comes from April from Facebook. She says, when someone is suffering badly and is in deep chaos, where do they begin? How do they figure that out? Really powerful question. In a cluttered room, where do you begin? Because you enter that room and your stress response goes off because it's a mess. It's a mess. But to begin, you start from a corner. You pick one spot. The person suffering has to add more order to the chaos. They're in disorder. So begin sorting the papers stacked in the corner. You got to start somewhere. Start by sorting the papers. Maybe you get through half the pile. But that's more than you did yesterday. You did something. But then a typical anxiety sufferer would be like, well, you know, it's not, you know, it's not enough. You know, hardly did anything. That's not the way to look at it. The way to look at it is you did more than you did yesterday. It's a little bit cleaner. It's slightly more tidy. Take on the responsibility to get the room tidy. You have to really want it to be tidy. How badly do you want it? Admit that the room is a mess. You have to admit to yourself this room is a mess, that there's a lot to do. And life will be better once this room is clean. But then you have to attach a lot of pain to the room not being clean. Well, what would my life be like a year from now if this room was still a mess? Well, I can't really work in it. Uh, it's just there's just too much going on. Um, I can't find certain things in there. It's a lot of stress. So attaching a lot of pain to that clutter is really uh, important. And I never wanted to go through this whole re recovery process. I never. But I reached rock bottom and I imagined my life differently. I just imagined myself going 
to work in film or going and doing something creative. And a lot of the time I couldn't imagine my future because I was stuck in this chaotic loop, hanging out with negative friends, living on Pleasure Island, eating junk foods, living comfortably and not taking on any responsibility. So I couldn't really imagine my life going towards being a coach. But recovery became necessary for me when I was in total chaos. I then took on the responsibility of my anxiety disorder. It became the number one priority in my life because I knew that when I go forward in this recovery process, I get to change my old self. I didn't even like my old self. Once I realized that I caused everything chaotic in my life, that no one was going to help me. That's the thing. No one was going to help me but me. Once I realized that, I thought, wait, if I continue down this recovery path, then I'll change the me I don't even like. I don't even like that guy. I, could, I have an opportunity now to have a better life in the future. And so change your internal world and then you change your external world. So I took a step back in my life and I said, you know what? I'm not going to shoot for this film job right now. I'm not going to shoot for a, a perfect relationship right now. I'm going to work on myself and I'm going to take these next few months just to learn about anxiety and change myself, change my life. Because everything that I did before, all of my strategies that I did in my past, the habits that I did, all crap, never served me for the better, kept me stuck there. So I had to create a new lifestyle. And the first thing I did was I got myself knowledgeable. Okay, now that this is anxiety, now that I know it's anxiety, I have to become a student of this new subject, anxiety. What is it? How do I overcome it? I'm going to dedicate my time and my days and weeks and months to this recovery process. And begin by doing things every day that make you uncomfortable. And learning about anxiety made me uncomfortable because I just wanted to sit back and not do much, right? We always take the path of least resistance. You have to start to venture off into the places that you don't want to go. And people don't want to do that. I see it all the time. People post things on Instagram and Facebook that drive me crazy about anxiety. And then they, they're in, they, they remain stuck in anxiety. They just say inspirational quotes, but they don't do anything. It's like, what, what's going on? Stop 
posting things and go change your life. Go take care of yourself. So doing things every day that make you uncomfortable, it builds discipline. Discipline hardens the mind. The anxiety sufferer views themselves as weak and unhealthy. To build self-respect, you must prove to yourself that you're better than you are. You have to prove to yourself that you can. Like I said before, with the exposure practices, you have to prove to yourself that you can survive and not die right in that situation because that's what your mind is thinking oh wait i'm gonna die here i must get out of here no 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 there's no running this time stay stay there because the answers that you need to find are there in the places you don't want to be each day Dedicate your time towards the cleaning of that room, the room of your mind, the room of who you are. Change your habits. Surround yourself with the right role models. Learn from them. Through this recovery process, you have to sacrifice things. You have to sacrifice the certain foods and drinks and habits and friends and all of these things. You're going to figure that out as you go, but you got to start somewhere. But you also have to remember, you have to sacrifice things as you go, and it's not easy. This is a challenge, but the best challenge is the recovery challenge. This is the best challenge. Your life will change forever. And I felt like I was betraying myself when I would procrastinate. My old self felt a lot of guilt and shame, and I was always lying to myself. I was always waiting around for things to change, waiting for life to change. I was waiting for external things to change who I was. It never came, and it never would have came until I changed myself. It will never come. If you're waiting around for life to just change, it's going to change, but you're not going to like it. It's, But you have to change yourself. And life is not going to change and help you. It's going to change and there's going to be stressful situations. There's going to be moments that are going to test you and you're not going to be prepared for it. I was never prepared for it. And that's why life seemed like it was always beating me down. It was always beating me and beating me down. Oh, life is horrible. Life is cruel. You know, God doesn't like me. All of these things. But no, 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 no. You are in control if you want to be. You just have to find the way. And so people don't want to go that way. Because there's a lot of resistance. It's a lot of pain. It's a lot of hard work. So people don't. People settle. That is poison. You settle and then you're lying to yourself. Every day you wake up, you can't even look in that mirror because you're lying to yourself. 
oh, I should do this today, but then you make up an excuse and then you just sit around. Or you know you should confront this stressful situation, but you make an excuse and you call in sick, right, to work, or you just don't go. And then that's a lie to yourself. You're just lying to yourself. You build, you're building up this hollow, uh, this hollow, rusty, uh, rotten foundation, like a rotten tree bark around a tree. The, the tree's hollow. It's just rotting away. That's what you're doing. You're building it up and building it up. And I built it up for so long that it ended up in an anxiety disorder because I just kept lying to myself and treating myself like some frat boy forever, like the, the forever frat boy. And I see these forever frat boys in their 50s and 60s and 70s and all of these things, right? They never change. And what happens to these, th- these people, right? They just build up this hollow, rusty, rotten foundation and they don't have the tools they don't have the right mindset. They don't improve their li- lives. And you can see the people around them. They they hang around the wrong people. And they just cause pain for other people. They, they, they become that dependent person, right? So I was lying to myself for a long time. And I was ignoring the truth. I couldn't even look myself in the mirror. So work needed to be done. I needed to admit to myself, you know what? I need to get, I need to work. I have a lot to work on. By the end of the day, when you dedicate your time to helping yourself, to the right habits, to the right people, you will look in the mirror and you will say to yourself, wow, I did something today. I did something today. I didn't want to do it. I wanted to just sit around and eat Cheetos, watch Netflix. No, no. I did something today. Ah, self-respect. You look at yourself in the mirror, face the truth. So I began my journey by listening to people on YouTube who overcame anxiety. And I got a pen. I got a piece of paper And I started to write notes. And then my unconscious was like, oh, this is what Brad values. He wants to get better. He wants to overcome anxiety. So my mindset and my perspective began to shift. Once I started opening up my horizon to this recovery journey that these people were talking about. And I really wanted to get better. How bad do you want to get? How bad do you want to overcome anxiety? How bad do you want to improve your life? That's a very powerful question. So figure that out and start right now. And that's where I'm going to leave you on today's podcast episode. Thank you again for being here with me today on episode 100. And remember, do not let anxiety define who you are. I will see you on the next podcast episode. Bye for now. 
Brad's powerful anxiety recovery program is available at unpluganxiety.com. The Anxiety Project program is downloadable and puts the power of anxiety recovery in your own hands. What are you waiting for? Visit unpluganxiety.com for more details. Recovery starts now.